Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. My name is Dan Nye. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer for Graphics Group. Uh, we're one of the largest producers of spherical graphites uh, globally. And uh, why that's important, spherical graphite is uh, used to make lithium-ion batteries. And approximately 70 kilograms of spherical graphite is used for every lithium-ion battery within every electric vehicle. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, thanks for joining us uh, on our humble little show. Um, so we're going to talk about um, your company today. But I need to start off with the with the Hong Kong connection because you're listed in Hong Kong. I know you've got OTC, but that's where you're listed. That's your main listing. Why are you now out to talk to the market? Surely you've got all the money you need over there in Asia. Uh, absolutely. That's a great question. So, um, so from our perspective, um, whereas historically, um, most of the battery makers um, for electric vehicles and for renewable energy solutions have been located in Asia. So from our perspective, Asia, Asia has been a great location for our listing. Um, as electric vehicles become more prominent, and to give you some numbers behind that, um, last year about 2.1 million electric vehicles were sold. Um, fast forward in 2026, um, it should be about 10 million electric vehicles sold per annum. And fast forward to 2030 and 2035, it should be the order of one third of the vehicles produced annually, which is approximately 30 million electric vehicles compared to 92 million um, internal combustion engines. So, um, so whereas in the past, uh, um, Asia had been the core of battery production, now it's expanding into Europe, it's expanding into America, um, parts of Canada. So, so we're seeking to, um, to both um, leverage our product sales and to leverage our technology to help companies outside of outside the Asian markets produce spherical graphite, which is our core product. Right. So, and there's a kind of perception of people who look at Chinese companies as being effectively, effectively state-owned and therefore state-controlled. Should people from the West be at all concerned about working with or investing in uh, Chinese operations? So, so I think, and that's a great question, and, and there's a number of issues now with companies called VIEs, which are very variable interest entities. So, um, so um, from our perspective, when you think of graphics group, um, so I think it's important to think of it as an international company with wholly owned subsidiaries located, uh, located in various parts of the world. So, um, so we are a 100% um, foreign owned entity. Um, and we have a subsidiary in, in mainland China that actually is wholly owned and produces, uh, produces spherical graphite in Heilongjiang province. Uh, we also have a subsidiary in the United States and we're using that subsidiary in the United States to um, market, our, market and sell our technology outside the Asian markets. Okay, fine. Um, but you, you understand the importance of, of dealing with this because we, we, we've had companies uh, come on the show they're working in, in China, or at least some part of their supply chain is working in China. They think they feel that margins can be controlled um, and therefore the ultimate success of the company can be controlled because of the some level of Chinese influence. You, you would argue your business is not going to be affected by that. So uh, it's um, so we produce a product that is um, is it's a it's a highly processed form of graphite that so we do the processing for it. Um, and that 
that product has a, a global market price. And that global market price um, is what is paid by um, companies in China, it's what's paid by companies in Japan, it's what's paid by companies in, in the US. And um, so it's um, it's the same as if you think about the other metals that go into a, um, a battery, such as cobalt. So it's a cobalt predominantly comes from Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, and so it's, but, but that's still a internationally um, purchased product and it has a floating market price. So uh, whereas our product um, is, is, a, is, a, is needed by every battery maker and every electric vehicle, it will have a global price. And so we sell into that global price. Okay, so, um, so where, do, where do you pay taxes? Where, where, where do you bank? Um, so our headquarters are in Hong Kong and that's where our bank is HSBC. Um, so, so we actually would pay obviously local taxes um, for our local subsidiary, but our corporate taxes would be paid into, into Hong Kong. Okay, fine. So, so let's let's talk about what, what you are. So you you're 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 not a miner. Let's, let's establish that and clear. You are t- taking graphite from your subsidiary. Or sorry, explain the relationship in terms of where do you get your graphite from? Yeah. So it's um, so we're not a miner. When you think of miners, um, there's numerous risks numerous risks in the mining sector. Heavy impacts. So you've got to you've got to find the resource. You've got to be able to get a bank of feasibility study in the resource. You've got to, you know, you've got to get people on the equipment, and then then you've got to truck it to your location. So uh, and so there's there's a very long tail to be a mining company. Um, we are not a mining company. We are basically industrial industrial level processing business. So we take um, we take we 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 buy from the miners, and we buy their raw material. And we buy graphite. Um, so if you're a steel maker, you buy you buy you buy iron. If you if you're a if you're if you're um, Alcoa, you buy aluminum. They actually do mine their own metals also. So we buy raw flake graphite, and we process that, process that graphite from its um, its highly irregular form it comes in, which is almost like a scale at the microscopic level. We will go through a process where we will. Um, use mechanical and chemical abrasions that and form those very regular pieces of graphite into perfect spheres anywhere from 10 to 15 microns in diameter. So um, so that diameter is important because it optimizes the way that the battery makers will take that and compress compress our material into form the battery anode. So, um, so we have a technology and a great deal of experience, which is able to take a very raw ma- raw material and make it into a usable a usable specialized substance. Okay, so spherical graphite very important. Also, um, the margins are meaningful as well, which we'll talk about in a second here. But you've got a technology. You're currently producing what ten thousand metric tons of spherical graphite a year. So you you're one of the larger producers out there. Is that fair to say? Yeah, if you look at the numbers in 2019, we haven't seen numbers in 2020 yet. Uh, there was about 200,000 metric tons produced uh, produced in 2019. Uh, we represent roughly five percent of that, and most of the material historically has come from 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 China. What's really interesting to us is that um, there's many new players that are coming on the market, um, both in Canada and in, and in Africa predominantly. 
that that they're looking to begin to mine uh, raw graphite. So so we think as a business um, that that we can leverage our leverage our technology to help them go from raw, which, which sells for the minimum amount six seven US dollars, up to spherical, which which, which, which sells at somewhere between three thousand circa US dollars to coated, which sells between 8,000 and 12,000. So we can help them upgrade their material, which benefits benefits those miners. It also benefits um, the countries where those mines are established because it, 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 that increases employment and also increases the amount of, um, of revenue to that business. So you said your revenue for last year was about 50 million USD, right? Um, so, so, how, so break that down for me. Where, where's that revenue come from? It's entirely spherical graphite. Um, 60 percent of the revenues last year were, were were actually spherical graphite. We also have a legacy business, um, which is um, which represents a smaller piece of our company. The legacy business is um, is is a is a nice business. It does it does uh, landscape architectural design for um, for hotels, corporate campuses. Um, does very much kind of eco-friendly, um, renewable-focused design, uh, uh, but that's very much a smaller piece of our business, slower growth, and as we look forward, um, it will become a smaller and smaller piece of revenues to the company. It's forty percent of revenue at the moment, though. Correct. Yeah. Are you going to spin it out, or is it just need? Does it need to stay in this vehicle? Um, it, it's something we can always look into. Um, there are there are quite strict regulations on on spinning. Pieces of businesses out of Hong Kong listed businesses, right? But it's something that's. Um, but but when you think of our business, think of spherical graphite uh, and uh, and spherical graphite technology, and that's where you'll see the growth. And even if we retain the business internally, it will become a small and small piece of business business as time goes. But on. twenty million USD, it's not. It's, it's, it's a meaningful business. Some people would be happy with that. Indeed. Interesting. Indeed. Okay. Anyway, well, let, let's stick with the graphite bit just so I understand it. So, what precisely are you said? I get the technology bit, but what is a typical contract like in terms of the outsourced service that kind of um, service as, uh, was kind of like a SaaS solution here for you? Uh, it's a service as a solution for you because yeah. you, it, it's their graphite, but it's worth 600 bucks. You're saying work with us so we can we can make. They convert into three three thousand bucks. Um, so, so if you look at our existing product, mm. which we make, um, so so we sell that to distributors, we sell it to um, to battery companies directly. So we have a, a wide variety of of customers. As we move forward on the technology side, it's quite interesting. Um, each of those agreements will likely be um, a specialized agreement, and whether those whether that becomes a, a cross ownership, whether that becomes a, um, a royalty model, whether it becomes pure consulting, um, we're still working through those details. And um, and as those emerge, as we as we get agreements with the places we're speaking with, we'll, we'll be able to talk about where that settles. Right, but you're going to selling it just as a consultancy service. That that's long, painful, and and costly. So the margins are smaller at that that end. You want to be somewhere up around some sort of level of either co-ownership or co-marketing or et cetera, et cetera, aren't you? I think the ideal place is being a royalty place. So, 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 so if you hold a royalty in the business, it's an annuity, technology advances, you can update that royalty um, and it gives you much, um, it gives you a nice, steady, 
um, income and with extremely high margins. Okay, well, here's a strange one for you then. In the past, 20 or 30 years, people are very nervous about Chinese companies coming taking technology, buying te- technology from the West, copying it, and then using it, and then dumping their Western partners. Are you worried about sharing this knowledge of yours with other companies? I mean, do you, do you ever give away the control around the technology, you know, from the conversion from graphite to Sparkle graphite? Well, as we work through these, I mean, it's an interesting model, isn't it? So it's kind of reverse what people think about, about Chinese companies in the past. And um, so, so just to underscore, we're not a Chinese company. We're based in Hong Kong. We're in actually- I get it. But I'm talking perception as reality here. So, you know, so, that's the, what you've got to battle with. So, um, it's one thing to, it's a continuous improvement process. So basically, you, um, if you, um, when you, our model is to help help companies get to production levels, but um, you can't rest on your laurels to quote a very commonly used phrase. It requires continuous improvements. And um, we do quite a lot of research on the processing side and the materials usage side also. So, so we'll be able to help, um, help clients um, continue to improve their processing lines, um, improve their yields, and as technology changes, so so right now the battery battery anode technology is pretty fixed on using spherical graphite. As time goes on, uh, there is research, ongoing research, to using a combination of silicon and um, and spherical graphite. So, so in that aspect, we'll be kind of using our technology to help to help clients um, work with those materials also. Okay, and so with regards to the the um, contracts that you have in place for the supply of the graphite, which you're purchasing, is that is that a fixed term? Is that in which case what does that look like? And you know what guarantees have you got that it will still be you know coming your way in the next couple of years? Um, so so the our production volumes, um, which is ten thousand, and we're moving to forty thousand, which is an increase of thirty thousand over the next three years. We are next to the mine. And so we have um, we have to pay market price, but there's no but there's no limitation to the amount of material. There's no shortage limitation to accessing that material over that period of time. So we have full access to the material we need. So you buy at market. There's no fixed term contract or volume contract. Yeah, we buy at market. So we buy at market levels, and the actual input volumes for our material we need are secure. So that's 100% of, of your supply comes from one source at the moment. Are you looking at other alternative supply solutions? It's a, it's the biggest mine in the world, and um, it represents you know circa 60% of the world's production of um, of, of of graphite, and it's and it's good grade. Um, and we're co-located in the same province, so uh, there isn't any need for us to um, secure material outside. Not even to mitigate potential risk. You know, you, you look at Olympic Dam, they shut down last year. They didn't expect to because of COVID. You look at Centum they shut down because they, they had a wall collapse. So there's, there's always things that go wrong in mining. mining. Mining's tough, as you say. You don't want, you, you're not exposed to the mining risk, but at the same time, you're kind of exposed to some mining risk. So is if that- we, If we needed to purchase material outside, then, then, then we could execute those contracts. Okay, fine. Okay. In, what, in terms of the, the, this new, um, revenue line that you're going for in terms of yeah, what percentage of the company do you are you aiming for that to represent? Um, well, it really it's really a function of how successful um, graphite mining companies are 
outside of uh, outside of Asia. So if um, if the graphite mining and the certain areas of the world that have very very heavy resources, so it's uh, Namibia, it's Mozambique, um, it's parts of Turkey, um, parts of the Canadian border with the United States have have, have reasonable resources. Um, so it's um, it's a function of how successful those groups are at pulling pulling material out of the ground. So, um, so an ideal scenario, I, I wouldn't want to put a number on it um, because then it would put us in a, it, it, it would benchmark where we want to grow globally. But I think that um, it could be a sizable portion of revenues in the future. Okay, well, let me put it another way then. You've got 50 million of revenues. I don't know what your margin is, but how much of your margin as a percentage will you be allocating towards driving this revenue stream? So the cost of uh, so how much operational um, so it's it's very capex lights. So the cost to expand will be um, you know it's 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 firstly reallocating resources. So we won't be taking any risk. Uh, the only risk we'll take on equipment will be at, at, at expanding our existing line. Right. Okay. Fine. So, and- so it's that will function that will convert from a business as almost there'll, there'll be cost allocation involved. But, but it will result in effectively um, incremental margin, almost 100% incremental margins for a company. Uh, you, I know you're on the, obviously you're on, you're on the Hong Kong Exchange, but you're, and, but you're also on the OTC as well. Have you got any plans or thoughts or discussions that have gone on with regards to listing on a main board outside of, of uh, Hong Kong? Uh, we really can't talk about that at this point in time. Okay. At the beginning, I asked you, so, you know, what, what do you hope to get from this? And obviously, it's an awareness as Europe, as Europe builds out as EV um, arena and the US is doing the same thing. Asia has been at it for a little bit longer. Are you expecting more conversations from in Europe with European partners um, and US partners? Um, and will you be, I know you're based in London, obviously, it makes it easy here. But in the US, have you, have you got representation there? Yes, we have a subsidiary in the US and we are actively having conversations um, across North America, uh, actually having conversations across Europe and across uh, across Africa with the, uh, with the with the countries. So um, so what's particularly interesting, if you, if you look how the world is changing, so if you if, if you if you look at this point in time, most lithium-ion batteries are produced in Asia. So, so you've got a number of very big players in Asia that produce um, lithium-ion batteries, both for electric vehicles and for buses. Um, that there's there's a real push now to produce the batteries through um, in in the United States and Europe through 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 Tesla's Gigafactories, through um, through the factories that are being explored by GM. Um, they need the material. They need the material to produce these batteries, and um, that there is continued it, it, this continued tension between the United States and um, and and China. I don't know how that will play out, but um, but if I was in the shoes of Tesla or GM, I would probably be thinking, how can I secure supply to the resources I need to produce my my lithium ion batteries? And so so. Um, Certainly, lithium is is lesser risk because you've got two big players working working on the lithium sector. Cobalt's a risk um, because cobalt comes from one jurisdiction, 
And um, there's efforts at Tesla to remove cobalt from their batteries to take away that risk. Um, and certainly and certainly on the anode side. So when you think about um, Tesla and, um, and GM needing a kilogram of, of spherical graphite for every uh, one kilowatts of power the batteries make, um, they're going to be carefully looking at supply. And um, if I were in this scenario, I would be wanting to hedge my risk and have suppliers outside of Asia. So, so, so we think, and, there, and there's huge opportunities to, um, to get graphite companies up that curve very, very quickly so they can become significant suppliers to um, North American and European players. But just, does this give us some insight into the way that you, you're going to try to negotiate discussions? Because typically these, the European ecosystem, the US ecosystem with their critical minerals lists and their you know, security um, around minerals uh, or at least ownership of minerals, do you think that either you have to set up facilities or you have to go into partnership with groups that can have facilities within those ecosystems? Because the Europeans want to buy from European companies. Absolutely. The US Absolutely. want to buy from US companies or friends, being the 51st state up in Canada. Which, which is exactly what we're seeking to do. Exactly. So, so, so again, as you think about us, you, think about, you, know, you should think about graphics as international company, local subsidiary that does, uh, that does production in, in um, a, very, a very kind of graphite rich part of China. And we're cleverly located there. But also um, we have subsidiaries that are helping exactly those, those domestic local companies um, outside, of, um, outside of Asia get up that curve and um, be, be suppliers to those, um, to those large OEMs. Okay. And yeah, I, I get the OEMs are, you know, they're concerned about their supply chain for, for 2025, for 2030, 2040, et cetera. And they've got, to, they've got to start tying those things up. But they, like you, don't want to necessarily be in the mining space or be exposed to the risk there. Is it easier for you, would it be possible for you to partner with the OEMs? In terms of the relationships they have with some of these companies, yeah, indeed, it's possible. And um, so, um, so we are thinking through kind of different angles on this. And so, an angle which which we're also thinking not necessarily through the OEMs, but through the legacy suppliers. So, the suppliers that um, that currently produce items which may not be uh, may not have as rich a future. So, catalytic converters, parts of the internal combustion engine. So they still have deep, deep kind of pathways into the OEM. So that's that's actually one segment we that, that could be a source to get closer to them. But um, essentially, um, essentially the the OEMs don't want to be miners. You're absolutely right, but they still need to secure those materials. So um, so they they will buy from likely buy from distributors or the mines directly. So can spherical graphite be recaptured, recycled? Does it in any way impair or damage through a, a, re a recycling process? So, yeah, if you kind of think um, just looking through what a battery looks like, so um, just to give you an example. So when you think of a lithium ion battery, it's um, two strips of metal. And um, one strip is your, um, is your uh, anode. And um, on the anode, you have 
uh, you have your, um, your, it's called your graphite anode and you have your compressed ferrol graphite on it. In between that strip, you've got uh, a liquid electrolyte of lithium. And then on the cathode side, uh, you have your, um, your, your nickel, cobalt, aluminum, um, cathode. And what, what happens when you charge the battery, the, the, the lithium ions are forced into, um, into the graphite anode and that liberates, that liberates an electron, it grabs an electron, and then when it discharges, it drops back down and the electron is released. So, but, the, but these two strips are rolled in this tight Swiss roll, in this tight, um, in this jelly roll, I guess you call it in America. And um, it's rolled in this tight cylinder and then it's encapsulated and it looks almost like a tall uh, C-size battery extended. And you take 7,000 of these and you, you put them in, in series together and that makes your lithium ion battery in an EV. So could you, could you um, break all these apart and, um, and recycle them? Sure. Um, I don't know um, if the technology um, is and the energy required to extract the raw materials um, is economic at this point in time. I, I mean, I really hope it will be because I mean, what we what 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 we don't want to see is to go down this path of green renewables and find out that we're polluting the world to a greater extent, and that's no one really wants that. Um, but um, yeah, so could you extract it and recycle it? Yeah. I, um, so eventually, probably, um, but I don't think it's as easy as recycling a catalytic converter and extracting platinum and palladium. It's much more complicated, and uh, and and you're also dealing with, uh, particularly on the lithium side, um, potentially toxic chemicals. So it's um, it's possible, um, and there's a number of companies that are attempting to do this. Um, but whether it's economic, I can't answer that question. Okay, interesting. So again, we've spoken to a few recycling companies, but interesting to see you know, what, what materials they're after. Um, and as you say, the economics do come into it. What are, what are some of the new applications um, for graphene? Because again, it's, you know, it's, it's always meted as being the, the next big thing, but it's never kind of quite got there yet. There's lots of patents and there's lots of, you know, revenue streams mooted, but you know, where are we? You, we we have the capability to produce graphene. Uh, we don't we don't actually currently produce graphene, and we have patents protecting that uh, graphene production. There's it's interesting. So if you, if you if you look at graphene, so it's got enormous enormous kind of potential. Um, if you look at the qualities, it's it's the strongest substance known to man. It's 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 stronger than diamond. It's electrically conductive. It's thermally conductive. Um, and there's this very, uh, there's, there's real aspirational um, uses of it. Currently where it's actually predominantly being used is um, on the lubricant side and the paint side. So you see it being used um, to, um, to provide lubrication and to provide waterproofing on industrial coatings. Um, but it's beginning to, as, as production technologies are improving, so produce, producing Bigger pieces, bigger pieces of it. There's um, there's applications which are pretty exciting. So, so you can use it for. It's great for for actually using it as a membrane material or filter or filter material. Where you can filter out certain particles. It can be used. Um, it can, since since it, it, it's electric conductive and uh, and flexible, you could use it for advanced displays. So you can use it for wearable displays. 
Um, we're looking at it um, on uh, as a company on the photovoltaic side, and there's some interesting applications on the photovoltaic side. You can produce very, very thin PV cells. You can even, um, and this is really bleeding edge, it's possible to extract energy when it's raining by, um, by, um, by, by, by using the potential of the salts and the, and the ions and the water to extract energy from that. So, but those, but that's probably somewhat in the future. So there's, um, I like and the then, sound of that. You, you look at the real science fiction side and I mean, you can, you can produce space elevators with it. And, uh, and so, but, but that's, um, that, that's very much, very much in the future. If it ever does happen. Space elevators. So we don't, we don't need that space ladder anymore. Great. Well, this, this was the concept to produce a, and to, to send cables up in space and have a weight on the end of it. And that would spin around the planet and you could have a crawler that would, that, that would go up. That's go yeah. up over a long period of time. That's how you would get objects yeah, in orbit. Yeah. Um, but look, that's actually, it's not something, not something we do, not something we're looking into. <laughs> But and certainly, kind of, there are really interesting applications for graphing, but still a very small market. So you've got a few and patents. Still, that, you've got a, you've got a few patents there, but it's something to come back to. Key focus for you now is producing spherical graphite and opening up markets for the spherical graphite manufacturer with in partnership or somehow with other groups producing graphite. Number one focus: leveraging. Leveraging our experience, our technology, and our patents to help graphite producers produce a much higher grade product um, so they can sell to OEMs. Brilliant. Look, Dan, really enjoyed that. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on with some. I'm keen to understand the, the types of contracts that you are, can get into place with some of these groups because you know that'll help us better understand the sort of your economics and scale. Um, available to you, um, and indeed, obviously, the ability to get into certain of these, you know, European or American ecosystems. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.